So the last fortnight we uh, began our um, discussion of living by vow and we've just again, once again, recited the four great vows or the four Bodhisattva vows. So um, I will say to you all a good morning Bodhisattvas. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember what is a, bod- a bodhisattva? Can anyone remember what <laughs> a bodhisattva is? That's somebody who's something ready to stay and take help people along rather than not. Yes, that's 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 um, that's one of the uh, um, Mahayana doctrines. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anything else? Okay, yep, um, yeah, so like remember the, uh, someone who, um, um, who vows to awaken uh, for the benefit of all beings. I thought we were all awake. We are, but not me or you. No. No. Was <laughs> <laughs> someone vowing to help others from an awakened space rather than a caught up space? I mean, the uh, true mind or true self or um, awake awareness is always awake and uh, that's what we awaken to. Um, what is awake is, uh, what wakes up to that is not um, the ego self. No. Because many people vow to help others and they're actually really causing more harm than help. They think they're helping others but they're really disillusioned and it's a very good point, yeah. So it's not necessarily our job to go around waking others up or fixing others or in that way. Sometimes we might get into trouble doing that. But it is our vow to, um, to wake up. So, um, you know, Bodhi itself uh, uh, means awakened. And, and Zatva means, um, I looked it up, it means light or wisdom. Uh-huh. It's a, Another Sanskrit Hindu term. So, Zatva. Zatva. Yeah, Zatva. So, body. Zatva. Yeah, body Zatva. Okay, yeah. yeah. What does it mean? Light. No. Wisdom. So, I guess so. Yeah. And, um, another, so another way of thinking about it is, um, a bodhisattva is uh, someone who lives by vow uh, rather than by karma. So remember last fortnight we made a distinction between uh, karma and vow. So karma being the, the conditions and circumstances we're born into, including all the habitual tendencies we inherit from our, uh, the life that we're born into. And uh, as, uh, whereas a vow, <coughs> the direction we're pointing to, uh, the direction of uh, awakening. But isn't, I mean, even a vow to me seems a very sort of heavy word in a way. Um, you know, to vow to, to, vow to judge it and to vow uh, in, 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 in ceremonies. 
Isn't it, isn't it more just a consistent intention? Well, another, another name that is often used uh, is aspiration. And that's hoping in the future, whereas a consistent intention is, is more... Okay. The, aspiration, the, the, the aspirational vow is to be awake every moment. And, um, it's, uh, and um, the, the, really the vow is to, is, is to awaken, to be awake. And um, it's something we value. Um, and it's not a goal that can be met, necessarily. Not just like, you know, oh, now I'm, I'm awake now and I've and, and, uh, met my goal. It's a kind of, uh, it's an e a never-ending sort of vow. There's no, no ending to the, to the depths of the continuum of awakeness, awakeness. So what would be the difference between intention and vow? Um, oh, intention is a fine word too. Um, uh, living by intention um, is um, probably just a little bit more of a, a secular word. Um, whereas, whereas um, vow is a is a word that's used in the Zen Buddhist tradition. Yeah, there's a more religious feel to it. No, I've just been in conversation with other people. You know, yeah. like I say, it's that my consistent intention is, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. Or my vow is to. Yeah. Vow oh, is stronger, isn't it? Vow is stronger. My vow is a personal. Conversation with other people. Mm. Um, that's it. I mean, another word is commitment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it's all this a question of uh, what we uh, maintain and what we throw away mm -hmm. from the um, the Zen Buddhist tradition we inherit. So we, um, the ordinary mind school tries to make a sort of middle path in that, and teachers will vary in the extent to which they adhere to traditional forms and practices, including language and sutra chanting, etc. So you'll have a kind of like a, a continuum where there'll be some, say, uh, on, the, on the right who are very conservative and traditional, there'll be some more on the left who are quite wanting to, you know, do away with most of it. And Joker was pretty much sort of over to that side. And there are some in the middle, or Barry's more in the middle. I'm still working out where I am. And the Buddha taught the middle path. I mean, that's his basic teaching, is the middle path, isn't he? We've just sort of added religion to the whole, you know, human being. No, 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 no. Religion has grown these extremities. Well, that extremity is a super right. Remember that guy we had come to your Zendo in the Promised Land who was taught by a really rigid man who had to walk and you had to bow, so many bows. A lovely young man. Yes, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of attachment to forms that can yeah. happen. I mean, yeah. this is the right way to do something. This is, mm -hmm. and uh, similarly with, um, you know, there are some Zen teachers who say you're not doing proper zazen if you sit on a chair. Right. Hmm? Yeah. There some people who say that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it depends on where you're positioning yourself if, if you're coming to, you know, to get what you want 
for what you need out of them to make some commitment or whether you are following something because that's the way it's supposed to be. And I think to me, the, to me they're two different things. And what, with those vows, I mean, I'm quite, just personally, quite happy with the two middle vows, but the first and the last ones don't sit well for me. So I think, should I be actually saying those things? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. and, uh, it, to me, again, it's a bit like a religion. You know, if I'm going to be a Catholic or something, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it the way I'm told to do it. If I've chosen not to do that, I no longer call myself a Catholic. So I don't know if I want to be a Bodhisattva, if it includes that. You know what I'm saying? It's, so therefore, do I have a right to be here? Should I not be here? Should I just take bits of it? Should I be saying things and calling them vows? I, you know, I mean, to me, they're... Yeah, yeah, this is all um, interesting points, um, and again, it all comes back down to this question of uh, whether it's the language or whether it's the, the altar, the form. That's all form, and um, you can you can strip it all back, and then we we don't necessarily have to use uh, uh, bodhisattvas at all. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. It's, uh, it's all. It's it's kind of like a. Uh, what what do we what do, what do we um, continue from it? Like how do we acknowledge the tradition, and and to what extent do we let go of the tradition? Um, you know, and it's a kind of fine line. Like uh, you get to, uh, like a number of teachers uh, have come. There's, there's there's two or three, um, you know, spiritual teachers I can think of. Who, one's no longer, but there's a couple who are still alive and practicing who have had, uh, come through the, the Zen Buddhist tradition and then have, then have kind of like, sort of like, um, really, they've kept a few little things, like obviously sitting in meditation, they may have some flowers on the table, but they will not, they will not identify as a Buddhist. And, um, um, the the only problem with that is that once you cut all ties with a tradition, uh, then what is it that's going on? Like, um, so say for example, I mean, this is always this is a kind of question that you know even it, the Zen Buddhist tradition itself is is very um, paradoxical and and, and, and and makes fun of this stuff as well. Like the one about if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him or, or kill her. You know this idea of don't think that Buddhism is the statue or the you know the candle. These these are just props to like we want to when we come to a zendo we want to create a, a sense of sacredness, sacred space, a safe space, and um, and these are some of the props we do to to do that. Uh, it's a bit like acting. It's a bit like a performance and. Um, but if, if we cut all, as a, as a teacher, and if, if I cut all my ties to, to, to Buddhism, and, and uh, so what am I now teaching? I'm teaching, well, I'm te am I teaching two-tellism? Or, you know, what's going on? And there are some problems that can come from that as well. So I think it's about just trying to find a balance. And, and that will be different for each nation, each culture, even even regional areas like this one, you know, mm. like um, if I was to say we, we need to all dress in black and we do our three kneeling bows, that would frighten a lot of people off as well. 
So yeah, again, it's about tailoring, uh, tailoring it to be helpful to people. Oh, I do as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like in terms of the, well, we always use the word vow or commitment. It's about spiritual practice is not something we take on as a hobby. It's not something we just do every second fortnight. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, a lifetime commitment. And um, so vowing is one of the ways in which, like, I mean, a vow is, don't take it so literally neither. I mean, zazen itself is like a vow. Um, the four vows themselves, the four bodhisattva vows, are, are, are really all different perspectives or expressions of the same vow, which is to awaken. Um, so the first, the first vow, to save all beings, means to be one with all beings, you know, because the... We know that separateness is an illusion, and uh, it's the ego self that suffers uh, because of that separateness and because of that illusion. And the ego self gets caught in that illusion. Well, the ego self is that illusion. Well, I, mean, I think that that separateness and that one aspect, but to me, that says something to me, just very different to I'm going to save all others. These are, these, are, these are just ways in which the first vow is translated. Um, you, could, you don't necessarily use the word save. I mean, it, I mean and this is something we can you know, talk about. Like, um, you know, it could be translated as um, uh, to awaken or something like that. Uh, so don't get hung up on the words necessarily, neither or be salvation. Or, to, so to save all being means to be one with all beings. Um, yeah, that's very good Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not sort of like, you know, challenging that one to say for me personally how. No, no this, is, no, this is really important because yeah. the, the, the form has to fit in, in a way, you know, for you. Yeah. And it uh, has to fit for me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking when we, yeah, when we said to save all beings, and I thought, well, that means then I've got to become a vegetarian. You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that that's your interpretation of the word save. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and my interpretation of it, I suppose, is partly to do with um, you know the whole thing of um, well, I suppose rescuing other people, and I think well that's not my role. I'm not here to live by the right. yeah. I'm not here to save anybody. Really. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. my interpretation. Yeah. That's that, and that's right. I mean, we're not we're not here to rescue people, uh, but um, in the uh, and it's the um, in in one way, all beings are already saved. I mean, this is the paradox of, of life, and this is the paradox that Zen sees into, but not just Zen. Other other religions and traditions do as well. But in in the midst of all this suffering and chaos and misery, everything's okay because reality is okay. I mean, reality is just reality. That's, that's all we're waking up to is reality. And what we're waking up to is the, the drama and the illusion that people get caught into, which, 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 which uh, drives a lot of this senseless mm. suffering that occurs in, in humanity. I mean, you know, a tree doesn't sit around you know, worrying about what it looks like, or what well, maybe, but with, uh, <laughs> I mean, trees do have emotions apparently, but... Um, um, so, um, I mean, I, uh, one of the reasons, the, um, the four practice principles that we chat mm. um, is, is really a reworking of the four noble truths and the four great vows. Um, so the, 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 the four, I think the, the, the four great vows, or four bodies that vows, uh, 
it's probably one of, one of the most important chants in the Zen Buddha's tradition, um, and we can maybe translate it differently. But but see, so that that first one is just the you know realizing that we need to awaken. It's also found in other religious traditions. Um, I was listening to the radio this morning. There was um, some. Uh, a couple of different people from uh, there was a gay man from a Christian tradition and someone else and they were talking and the, the guy uh, quoted this from Galatians 3 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus you know? so it's found in Christianity it's found in sort of like you know waking up to Christ consciousness you know, waking it's, it's, it's all that very similar in other traditions. But when I once thought about becoming a Christian priest and I started to study the Bible and the scriptures, it didn't resonate for me. Um, the actual language didn't resonate very much for me. Um, and then maybe the word save here uh, is something that people with associations with Christianity would translate or interpret in a certain way that doesn't resonate for you. Um, in the same way that the um, um, early Indian Buddhism doesn't resonate for me neither, whereas the, the Chinese uh, Zen resonates a lot more for me. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and what you just said, that thing that that person said about, you know, neither Greek nor Jew, um, to me is the essence of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, and whether it's taken on by the Christians or the Zens or the whoever is beside the point. And I suppose, to me, I feel like I don't want to have to necessarily say, well, I'm this track because I believe that, because I do believe that, regardless of what I... Yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully in Zen it's certainly not about following, or, or any form of Buddhism shouldn't be about following. Um, and and uh, it's, all, it's all about, uh, you know, I mean, it's all about um, finding out for yourself. Yeah. Uh, there there's really is no real doctrine or belief system you need to follow in Buddhism. Or in Zen. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's I suppose part of the the appeal for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And if the form is there and the rituals and stuff, that's fine. But I don't want to feel like, oh maybe I you know, shouldn't be involved if I don't particularly you know, um, if, if a lot of that stuff doesn't actually sit with me, you know. And I suppose if I'm saying something that I'm saying I vow something, I suppose it needs to Makes sense to me, but that's. Yeah. I mean, I'd like. Well, yeah. Again, it's, I guess it's the. Let me just let me just give you a few more quotes. Um, I mean, I mean that the second vow, so to abandon delusions, uh, greed, hatred, and ignorance. Um, you know that that's one of our central core practices, where when we work around the me stuff, and we've talked about that a lot. So the, the sense of becoming aware of. The, the amount of time we spend identified in the ego self and identified with our beliefs and thoughts and the, uh, and the emotions that arise because of that identification. So the abandoning of, of that, that's the, that's the, the vow, that again, it's the vow of waking up. Uh, and uh, in, in, a, in a sense of vowing is practice. Um, it's living, it's living the uh, commitment in that sense. Um, the third one, Dharma gates. This Dharma gates are just moments of that re a reality, and it's waking up to the reality. 
each moment, um, um, bringing ourselves in, 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 in harmony with or alignment with the reality of this moment rather than our beliefs and thoughts as to uh, what we think reality should be. And the more we resist reality, the more we suffer. Um, so that's that third vow. So each moment, I mean, it's echoed in the uh, third line of the practice principles. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. It's the Dharma gate there too. And then the fourth line, uh, uh, Buddha's words, unsurpassed, I vow to embody it fully. That's the embodiment aspect of our practice. That's the um, continued returning to the this, this, this very body is Buddha, this very body is reality. Um, again, uh, um, so we're, we're waking up to the reality of this moment through the embodiment of this moment. And when we say direct experience, come back to your direct experience in your zazen practice. You know, when you get caught up in beliefs and thoughts, come back to the direct experience. It's the embodiment aspect of it. Mm. The, um, the paradox of, of awakening is that we can't do it. You know, it's not something that we, it's not a, um, uh, if I do X, then Y will happen kind of project. Um, it's not a means to an end, it's not a technique. Um, it's similar like if you, you know, if you try to get to sleep, you'll never get to sleep. You know, we, we drop off to sleep, and the dropping off is a metaphor that um, the teacher Dogen, the 13th century Japanese teacher, used as well for awakening when he talked about the dropping off of body and mind. And in a way, it's kind of like similar to the sense of the dropping off when we fall asleep. It's, it's not something we can force or make to happen. In a similar sense, is the, you know, the way in which I, and I think Catholicism uses grace is, a, grace is a very similar kind of idea. Um, you know, the whole idea that we can't, um, you know, we can't create a Buddha, like you know, the, the story about the guy polishing the tile. Mm. Um, it's um, basically we are, we we are that which we are seeking. We you know the and and so the problem with the ego self is it can't. The ego self is continually seeking something that can never be satisfied because that's the nature of the ego. Um, so we we and um, so. Um, in a sense, uh, uh, it's not a, it's not a, like a technique, but in a sense, we're preparing the vessel in a way for the uh, the grace to arise or the awakened awareness to arise when we when we do our practices. And practice is awakening in that sense. We're expressing our true nature just by simply simply being, simply sitting in that way. And. Um, there's a, um, a classic Mahayana text says, the true mind of every sentient being itself teaches and leads each sentient being. I mean, true mind is another name for the, you know, the heart that seeks to be awakened in the sense in which the, it's, um, this is the vow of Buddha. It's like, you know, we've got to step aside and just let that arise. Um, so you know, vowing is not a, a, it's not something outside of us. We're not, you know, it's uh, the, the true mind of sentient beings that is universal self is itself vow. Um, so that's, so our, our vows are just to live in harmony with, with reality, with what is. That's the vow, and um, 
And vowing, in a sense, is zazen. Zazen is a form of vowing, if you take it like that. Zazen, again, it's not something we can you know, do right or wrong. Um, it's not a technique. And uh, so, you know, it's not, like we were saying before, it's not me or Alex that awakens. It's the, the awareness itself is already awakened. Um, and, uh, and, and we suffer when we resist what is. So, um, this is our life right now. And um, so, I'll, um, this is a quote from a, a, a Zen Buddhist teacher who's no longer a Zen Buddhist, who's taken that path of sort of cutting all ties with a um, guy called um, uh, Stephen Gray, who um, um, studied in the same um, Zen Buddhist school as, as, as Joko Beck. And uh, his teacher gave him permission to teach, and he started teaching, you know, in his in his garage above his house. And uh, and then eventually he uh, changed his name from Stephen Gray to Ashante, which means primordial peace. And he himself actually jokes about how his um, his gatherings uh, increased exponentially once he changed his name. <laughs> and uh, this is a nice quote though from him. He goes. Uh, Hey? Brandy. Brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has he has retreats where he gets three hundred. Has to have to draw a lottery to get along to his retreat. And um, so um, this is a quote from him, which I quite like actually. It goes, "In the end, we all get what we value most, and if we don't like what we have gotten, we had better take an honest look at what we are valuing." Do you want to read that again? Or? If we don't like what we have gotten, we better check out what you value. Yes, that's good. That's really good. I want to write that down. I think one of the things that I feel is Buddhism has got itself in the whole world by. Because I always think of it as a philosophy a set of ethics and a philosophy. And, and to me, it's very straightforward. And then the different, the, the different schools that have set up, and now it's got it's religious in many countries, and you get this form, you get the next form, you get the other form, and I've been to this form, I've been that form, and the other form, and you go along with what the form means because this is what's required of a group of people. But, but it's still always the same kind of ethics of, of the Dharma teaching. Be dressed in different forms to appeal to different sets of people in different cultures. Well, if, if you think of Buddhism in a general sense as, as an ethical component, mm -hmm. uh, a meditation component, mm -hmm. and a wisdom component, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't equate the wisdom and the meditation practice to philosophy. I don't think the Buddha was that interested in philosophy. Um, he was interested in the ending of suffering, and, yeah. and, and, and the, I would definitely agree there's an ethical component that flows from that. But I think the, 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 the knowing or the, the, the awakened awareness that the, the, the core aspect of our practice is not, is not nothing to do with philosophy at all. No. Yeah. It's practice. Um, it's practice. I mean, it's quite different to. I mean, by all means, I mean, it doesn't do any harm to you know, go to university and study philosophy. And, 
No. And, and it's, it's, nice to have a, it's nice to have an understanding. I mean, it's not only uh, the Buddha that sort of was interested in practice too, like the Stoics and the Epicureans were as well. I mean, how, how can philosophy be, has practical benefits, yeah. And it's a psychology too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I well, mean, in a way, in Buddhism. It's a, I, I mean, I, I like that side. I like, that's why I like this school, because I like the, the Western psychology, psychological interpretation or how it can marry in. And the Abhidharma, it's total psychology, you know, the, the, the early Buddhist. Yeah, I don't like the Abhidharma. I mean, we don't really teach that much in Zen Buddhism, the Abhidharma. I love Abhidharma. But, um, but I, we maybe, oh, you can maybe teach us about no, it. But like, uh, but um, you know, that was that was that was dropped a lot in the Zen, in yes, the Zen tradition. Yes, and that's why I like Zen because it's yeah. big. Um, yeah. Um, I still I, love the others. Yeah, but but then Western psychology is introduced. And then they got away with it with this mindfulness teaching that has no ethics attached, and that I think is problematic. You know, they teach Buddhist mindfulness, or they got the, the you know the, the, the techniques and methods, etc. But they don't teach basic. I don't know. I think, like you say, I mean, you've got to take ethics and values. Well, mindfulness is, is another example of. Um, Buddhism being taken out of a religious context and placed into a secular context, and again, it's it can be problematic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it can also be very useful because I was just speaking to a friend of mine uh, who's a psychiatrist in Switzerland, and she's uh, taken mindfulness courses and she meditates and as well, and she just um, did a whole day seminar for all these doctors in clinical practice on mindfulness. Mm. And she said they were, and, and that's quite a big thing in Switzerland. Mm. Very, and she said she was astonished at the positive response. No, they, yeah, all, they all went with it and they all found it helpful and they all thought of it with regard to their patients and things. And so, you know, it might be taken out of Buddhism, but, but it's benefiting people. Oh, absolutely. No, that, what's that act therapy? Acceptance and commitment therapy. Acceptance commitment therapy is fantastic stuff. I used to use that while I was working. And so, in a way, I mean, it means we're, you know, Buddha's about helping to end suffering, so mindfulness is going to do it. Yeah, I'm sure. Without the rest. Without the pleasure. It's about the practical application of this actually. Also, I suppose it depends on what context you put. I mean, mindful, what we're doing when we are just sitting is being mindful. We are hearing, seeing, da da da. And so that can also be maybe used for other people use it in the health context, but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's a Buddhist thing or a Zen thing or anything like that. But the mindfulness thing I think is more helping the self and the individual, whereas this practice is more spacious and mm-hmm. useful to the wider. It's not either way. Also, I think it's funny this business about ending suffering because I mean, if so, as we've sort of said that we're here and we're here to live in the moment with what we've got and the rest of it, and part of life is suffering. So to be looking to end suffering, I don't quite understand because all that is really is maybe when you die and you turn back to consciousness, because that's what being alive is—is is suffering as part of that. Yeah, it's it's it, no, it's it's more about bringing an end to unnecessary suffering and being able to face genuine 
suffering that we all need to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than I thought of it, I'm rebirth. It's the dropping. See, the what, what mindfulness doesn't always bring into it is the is the no self and the the uh, the insubstantiality of that and. Um, you know, then the, the question then becomes, well, who is suffering? So it's more about dropping, you know, seeing through that there is no person in here that's suffering. Mm. That, that's the ending of suffering mm. from that point. Mm. Yeah. There's just a pain in your knee, but there's no one who's suffering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, so maybe it would help to interpret, you know, the the um, aspiration of may I be free from suffering is like suffering's still there but I'm free of it. It's like I acknowledge its existence but it's not in me, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, there's, you're experiencing pain but you're not suffering. Yeah, mm. it's just, it's just mm. pain, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to be miserable because of it. Again, we get tied in knots with language often. Yeah. Not that, not that I'm not like. I'm just trying to make a distinction from, you know, when I think may I be free from suffering. It doesn't mean may I have no pain. Yeah, that's right. I mean, reality doesn't care about me or you. No. Um, see, the, the 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 Buddhist teaching, the Zen Buddhist teaching, it's 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 awakening to a reality, the truth, and the truth doesn't doesn't care about my pain and my need. Just is. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, we're just a dream, you know, that's what we chant in our practice principles. We're not real, we're just a little passing illusion, we're a bubble, you know. Reality doesn't give a rat's ass about us. Um, and, 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 but... And yet. What, what, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I just said, and yet. And yet, and, and yet, yes, and yet, and yet. We, we're human beings and we, we, we do our best to be good human beings and to to respond to the suffering of the human beings with empathy and, and with respect and with, with, the, with compassion. Absolutely. And wasn't it that Tibetans, or I think the Dalai Lama, talking about suffering, he said that there are three types. There's um, the suffering of, of karma, you know, that stuff from the past, if you believe in reincarnation, that, that you have your reaping from the past. And then there's this suffering of uh, birth, old age, sickness and death, which is inevitable for anybody in this lifetime. And the third one is the suffering which you create yourself through your thoughts and your actions. Yeah. And I think, well, that to me seems very, you know, that I, I like those three distinctions because the karmic one from the past is nothing I can do about it. Inevitably, I'm going to go through. And you don't have to believe in rebirth no, to, to acknowledge yes, karma no, from the past. Right. And, so, and so then there's the, the birth old age, sickness and death, yep, I'm beginning to understand that one profoundly. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that, you know, the suffering that, that, I, that I observe myself, and I think, well, I mean, you know, that's enough, that's enough to keep anybody going. <laughs> for quite a while. And so just watching the thoughts and the language and, and the action, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I always find that um, it needs to be simple for me to get it and to be able to do something about it on a daily basis and then it's all complicated. I would need to pare stuff down to the essence. No, I like, I like simplicity too. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's why I like um, 
Charlotte Jo goes back to work because she keeps it quite simple. Mm. Yeah. Okay. okay, so well, I'll just we'll bring that's um, been very good. Mm.